you all are called and you're chosen by God to be on mission with Him. Um, we exist here today as the church in a broad sense, and we're going to be talking today about vision mission over the next couple of weeks, about the vision and mission that God has called us as the church here specifically. But we are all a part of something so much greater than ourselves that we really understand what it means to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to be a part uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ as we live on the earth and we proclaim, we make Him known in the world that we live in. For each of you, you are called, you are chosen, you are set apart for God's purposes. From the foundations of the earth, God saw you, He knew you, He created you, and we've been talking about this, we've been in this series uh, over the summer in Colossians about making Christ supreme. And, and, and one of the, the weeks I talked about that you, you being here is not by any kind of accident. No matter what your upbringing, no matter what your childhood was like, no matter if there was neglect, abuse, certain things, because you live in a fallen and broken world among broken people that do broken things. But that does not negate the fact that God saw you before the foundations of the earth. He had a plan and a purpose for your life, and ultimately that plan and purpose was to know God and to be known by God and to belong to God. And how we know God is that we, as Carrie said in the song that we sang, is that we surrender our lives to Jesus every day. And so you have been called, you've been chosen, you've been set apart for the mission of the gospel of Jesus. When, when Christ came and He was born and He lived a sinless life and He taught and He advanced the kingdom of God and He taught about the kingdom and, of, of God and ultimately He died and He rose again and He left this mission with the church. And he said, I'm going to go up. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going up. The Holy Spirit will come down. And you will have power to be my witnesses and to live the kind of life that I want you to live. And so he resurrected and he ascended to the Father. And some days after that, the disciples and some followers had met in this place in the upper room. We read about Acts 2. And the Holy Spirit comes and fills their hearts and fills them with the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And that group of people literally set the world on fire. And through that moment, that time where it began to grow, the church was born. And throughout history, we've seen all of these movements and things that have happened and, and ultimately where we are here today because of what happened in the upper room, what happened with the disciples, but because they believed the message of Jesus we are here because of that. And we are taught from Scripture that we are to redeem the life that Christ has given us. And we are to live on mission with, with Him. And that we have this life and we live this life as, as individuals. And then some people that, that we have families and uh, marriages and children and ultimately this church 
And we're, this church is a part of a broader sense of the church at large of the Lord Jesus, but this church in particular, God has called us. He has a vision and He has a mission for each of us. And as He tarries, and so one day the Lord will return, but as He tarries, we will come and go. We will all face death. We will leave from this life and we will go into the next life and we are told that we will stand before Him and we will give an account for our lives. Just us and Him. And we are told in Scripture that there is more to this life than just this here and now. And the reality of eternity is something that we can live hopeful. We can live and trust that Jesus told the truth, the apostles told the truth, that there is more to this life than this life, and we will stand before Him. And we will give an account on that day. And so today and next week, I want to take a look again at the vision and mission of our church here. Who we are, where we're going. Um, next week we're going to get in more specifics about where we're going through things in the fall that are coming up that I'm encouraging you to be a part of. But ultimately, we must have a vision. The, the, the scriptures say without a vision, the people what? says perish. One translation says they cast off restraint. In other words, they, they're aimlessly wandering and they're chaotic and their environment is chaotic. If I don't have a vision, if I don't have some sort of goal, if I don't have somewhere I know where I'm going, I tend to just be kind of going everywhere but not really going anywhere. And that's what that passage is saying. And so corporately we have to have a vision and a mission. We understand it if you've worked in any kind of company. They have a vision and a mission statement. It's not uncommon. Um, in the military, I was in the military. I had the, the honor to serve in the military, and I was a part of the 16th Communication Squadron of the Special Operations Wing of, uh, of, of the Air Force. And so we specifically had a vision and mission to what we would do and how we would accomplish it. And it's no different for the people of God. And that's why that, it's in the Bible. Without a vision, the people perish. They cast off the strength. They, it's, it's a chaotic environment. So as a church, we have to have a vision. We have to have a mission. I want to encourage you, even as an individual, you need to have a vision and a mission for your life as it pertains to how you're following Christ. Ultimately, the first step into that vision and mission is to give your life completely and totally to Him. I surrender completely to you, and I'm going to make that step, and I'm going to give my life and my heart to you. And I'm going to, whatever, whatever comes my way, I'm going to fix my eyes on the Lord Jesus and I'm going to go after you and I'm going to run after you and I'm going to live my days for you. That when I die, I know that I belong to you. And then I'm going to live out those days with a vision and a mission for my life to live for you no matter what I do. And so this, today and next week, it's an invitation to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, to be a part of the church, to be a part of the mission of the kingdom of God. And so, to take you, and, and, and some of you guys have heard this, if you're new with us, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about that because you've probably never heard this stuff said before. If you've been with us, you've heard it, but it's okay for us to continually put the vision and mission before us. 
It's also one of the Old Testament prophets. He told us to write the vision and make it plain. In other words, remind the people of the vision and the mission. And so, kind of our mission is to become each of us, again, each of us that belongs to a greater uh, thing than ourselves in the corporate body, but to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ and to lead others to Him. As believers in Jesus, that's what we should be aiming for all our days, is to become fully devoted followers of Him and then lead others to Him. And so then our, our vision statement, uh, we have this kind of catchphrase, reach up and reach out. It's kind of just a short little phrase that explains the greater thing is we strive to reach up to God in a lifestyle of worship and to reach out to others with the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ. Reaching up to Him, reaching out. It's what Jesus said. If you remember what Jesus said, He said, love God and love others. Remember when the disciples were asking, they said, okay, we have these Ten Commandments and we have these rules of life. Which ones are the most important? And, you know, you can see Jesus as he's dealing with his disciples. And he kind of, he says, that all, the, all of the law and the prophets can be boiled down to this. Love God with every fiber of your being and love other people. Like you love yourself. Love God. Love people. And so this idea of being a fully devoted follower, what does that mean? Again, it's exactly what the song is living daily surrendered and humble to Jesus Christ. It's realizing how much we need Him and realizing our dependence on Him. It's not getting to a certain place and saying, okay, I'm good now. I've got it all figured out. It's saying, Lord Jesus, I need you every day. That's why I... Uh, you've heard me say this, that the church is the fellowship of the broken. When outsiders have come in, one of you know, their biggest complaint is that they see hypocrisy is because what we do is we say one thing and we live a different way. Well, of course we do. We, we're broken and we need Jesus. God forbid that we're trying to promote ourselves as people that have it all figured out and all put together. We have no mistakes, no problems, no... That's why we're on this journey together, running toward Him. And we invite you to come with us. If you're looking for a perfect place, don't come here. You'll never find one. But it's... Realizing our dependence on Him is being daily submitted to the power and the infilling of His Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus. That's when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He said, go and wait for the promise. And He said, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come on you with power, power to be my witnesses over all the earth. is to proclaim Jesus to the earth. It's also realizing that without Jesus, we are nothing. It's living life with Him, letting Him call the shots. As I talked about in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, it's making Him supreme and the ruler and reigner of my life. Him on the throne and not me. It's saying, Lord, I give you my life, I give you my day. I give you my marriage if I'm married. I give you my family if I have a family. I give you my job, my schooling, my plans, my purposes. And I will do whatever you want me to do. My life isn't my own. It belongs to you. 
Because again, in Colossians, what it says is we exist to bring Him glory. We exist to lift Him up and to honor Him with how we live our lives. It's also living out the good news of the Gospel. What does the Gospel mean? It means that we are wretched and He is not. It means that we cannot save ourselves. We can't do enough good works to get ourselves to heaven. Heaven isn't for good people, it's for forgiven people. If you could be good, there would be no need of the cross. That's why we need the cross. Paul said this, he said, he said curse if I don't, you know, let me be cursed if I don't preach the cross. He said that the, the cross is the power of God and the salvation to understand that we constantly remember the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus because that was the way for us to be saved. He knew we weren't good, and so He, in all His goodness, gave His life for us. It's an amazing exchange that we aren't good, He is. We can't save our own lives. We can't be nice enough to get to heaven. That's, that's understanding the gospel. That Jesus absorbed God's wrath on sin that we deserve because He's good and He loves us that much. And so then as we follow Him, as we step into this life that He gives us, the, the natural outflow is that we lead others to Him, that we live, our lives are being transformed, and then we point others to Him, right? And so the natural outflow is, what happened to you? Well, let me tell you, I served a risen Savior, the King of Kings, who is good, and I, my life is free because of Him. And so that's what this stuff means, and the invitation for us to walk that out with Him. So Jesus gave us this, what we call the Great Commission. Love God, love others, and out of that place He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Go, share the good news, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey what I've taught you. And I love that Jesus modeled this for us in the Gospel. He came, He laid His life down, He came as a servant. He said, the Son of Man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, came to the earth very, in a very humble way to lay down His life to become a servant. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so He came, and He ultimately, in what He did, served us. It's an amazing thought that He served us with His life. So loving God, love God, love others. What Jesus is getting there is this is about a relationship. If we don't understand and get the revelation that God has called us into a relationship, the other stuff will only turn into rules and regulations to follow. I'll get into that in a moment. But He called us into relationship with Himself. And so how do we get there? The first thing I want to do is I want to, I want to read to you the last part of Colossians. I didn't get there last week, but it's so amazing how Paul ends this letter. 
And I told you the ultimate ending is, uh, I told you about this last week, the ultimate ending is where he calls out specific people that served with him. And he's saying, I thank God for this person and that person. And he's saying everybody has a, has a role to play. And that, again, that's that personal vision to catch that. You may not recognize those names that Paul uh, lists at the end of Colossians or the end of other letters. But it does, again, it does not uh, diminish the fact that they were a part of a vision and mission in God's kingdom. And you won't learn about them in Sunday school. You won't hear their names. Uh, being very, very famous that we hear others, but their names are important, and Paul lists them. So let's go to the next slide, and let's look at this, because I believe that this ties together with the vision and mission. And here's what Paul says as he's concluding this letter. And again, I've been in the summer series, if you haven't been with us, and we went through the book of Colossians, but he says this kind of as a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you these last words to kind of hang on. He says this, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. So there you go. There's Paul saying, God's called us to a vision mission. Pray for us that we're able to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He said, that's why I'm here in chains. So he was in prison, and he had been locked up for proclaiming the gospel. But even being locked up, he didn't get into bitterness. He didn't say, you know, God, why have you turned against me? He didn't look at his circumstances to be a negative thing. He said, you know what? God can use me here as effectively as he can use me out there. I belong to him. Therefore, whatever happens in my life, God is in control. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. And then verse 5, kind of to us. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Isn't that a fantastic missional passage? First of all, it says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. What is he saying? Approach every day connecting with Jesus. Prayer is conversation. Prayer isn't about just us bringing a list of things that we need to Him. Now, we are told in Scripture that we can make our requests known to God, that he, he understands and He hears those requests. But prayer is more than just saying, okay, God, I need you to do this, and I need you to do that, and I need you to do this. It is connecting relationally with the King of Kings. Devote yourself to prayer. He's saying, get to know Him. Connect with Christ every day. Approach every day doing that in relationship. God, I love you. I need you. Speak to me as I go throughout my day. Show me where you are at throughout my day. And I tell you what, you start praying those prayers and He begins to show you where He's working. He begins to share His heart with us. But it's making Him first. It's making Him supreme in my life every day. It's seeing Him even through what we would consider the mundane things of life that he's there, that he's leading and he's guiding. He's showing himself through that. Because nothing in Christ is random. It's purposeful. Then he talks about praying for himself, but then he has this kind of quote. He said, live wisely among those who are not believers. What a encouragement and a challenge to us. Be careful how you're living out there. Be wise how you're living among 
unbelievers. Be a light, as Jesus said. We are the light of the world. Because we serve the light of the world, and the light of the world in us, we should shine bright for everyone to see. And again, that we, that, that we are called to be a light, that we are called to live wisely among those who are not believers, that they would see the work of the gospel in them. And again, that's not trying again to say, God, help me to live perfectly today. It's saying, Lord, even when I make mistakes, even when I stumble, help me to get up and help people to see me continually going after you. That I am a person who repents. I'm a person that acknowledges when I'm wrong. I'm a person that doesn't make excuses for my mistakes or makes um, a justification for my faults. That I own up to them and I say, Lord, forgive me and show me. But it's also serving and it's loving. Jesus even said, He said, let your good deeds be seen among men that they might glorify your Father in heaven. And that's not work unto salvation. That's, again, that's not work to get us saved. We're already, if we're, we belong to Christ, we're already saved, we're already redeemed. But it's saying, out of that place, and I do good work that they might glorify God. And I see His work in me. Being carriers of God's presence. Then He says, make the most of every opportunity. In Jesus, every day is an opportunity to shine the light, being kind, being gracious, being generous, no matter what you're doing. And that we walk transformed so that others can see the transformational power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in me and through me. Because ultimately, you know, we pray, and our prayer should be that, that there will be transformation in this region, right? God's called us here to be alive. He's called us here to be on mission. And, and if we're following Him, take that heart. That it's a responsibility that He's placed on us, that He's placed His presence on us for this time in history, here, right now, in this region. And our prayer should be God send transformation into this region. But here's the way I think that He's going to do transformation. It begins with me. As I walk transformed and my, the transformational power begins to have a ripple effect, the transformation begins with me. And so then, as we have looked at the mission vision, I, I want to talk about how we get there. And I'm going to look at the first five, and then I'm going to do the following five next week. Again, we're going to talk next week about some things that are coming in the fall that I encourage you to be a part of. But let's look at these our mission is simply how we get there. So we start, we talk about you know who we are and where we're going. How do we get there? These are mission essentials. Number one is complete devotion to God. And this is an invitation. This is my as the Lord has called us in this place. This is my invitation, my challenge to you to say you want to be a part of the vision and mission. Let's go together. And here's how we do it. Number one is we completely devote ourselves to God. Devotion is profound dedication. That's the definition. It's profound dedication. It is saying, I'm in no matter what. I'm all in no matter what. No, no matter if I get tired, weary, if I blow it, if I make mistakes, I'm all in and I'm going to continue to go after you today. But it's complete devotion to God. Again, what, what Jesus said, He said, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So he's, he's, he's covering every part of how we are made. 
our heart, our will, our emotions, our mind, our strength, our body. He said, worship God with all of it. Love God with everything that you are, every fiber of your being. And again, Christianity will only be understood out of a place of total, unconditional surrender to Christ. Outside of that, I don't, I don't, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why you see people, they, they have this kind of roller coaster ride of faith. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. And not that we don't have moments. I mean, we all have times and seasons. But if it's continually like that, sometimes we have not completely surrendered all that we are to Him. So complete devotion to God, all of us, going together. Number two, intimacy with Christ. Don't let that word intimacy freak you out. This means that we were created for a loving relationship with God, not just religion. First John 4, and God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through Him. Don't ever doubt God's love for you. Don't ever doubt God's love for you. If you need to be reminded of the love of God, look at the cross. That's why we're reminded of the cross. That's His display of love. He proves His love for us. The enemy will come in and lie. He will bring all kinds of things into our hearts, shame, guilt of the past. And, 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 and what Jesus is going to constantly speak to our hearts is continue to look at the cross, continue to run towards the cross. That's how much I love you. That's, that is a display of my love for you. You were created to be loved by me in relationship. Religion is this. You do a list of things, rules and regulations to earn God's favor. And you earn His favor, and you hope He loves you, and you hope that you get earn salvation. That's religion. That's, that, that, that describes every other religion in the world outside of Christianity. If you work toward it, you do enough good things, you do enough good works to earn grace, to earn His love, that's religion. And a lot of people have lived like that. I, was, I lived religiously as a, as a kid because I was raised in a very legalistic home and it was pretty much that God's kind of mad at you all the time. He's aloof over there, worried about other big things in the world, but as far as a personal connection with me, that's probably not that, you know, not, not that real. And so it was just constantly, I want to please Him, and I want to do right, and I want to do good. The only problem is that is it leads you to, ends up leading you to frustration. It'll lead you to a place of giving up and quitting. That's what religion says. And you'll notice that the enemy constantly reminds you that you're not religious enough. And then you feel shame. But here's relationship. Again, it's humbly understanding that I am in myself not good, but I receive God's love. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saves us. And it's realizing that His sacrifice is enough and I receive His gift of love. I receive His gift of salvation. I give my life to Him. And then out of that place, I try to please Him. I want to please Him. We are called to good works. We are called to forsake sin. 
And so we can't get the, you know, we, we have, we have this, again, the, the enemy keeps us on two ends of the spectrum. It's either harsh religion that keeps us, that, you know, we never feel like we're adding up, or hyper-ultra-grace where I've got Jesus so I can live any kind of way I want to live, and He just forgives everything and I, and He doesn't mind. Both are wrong. And we have to find this place of saying, no, he, that's what Paul says. He said, just because grace is great does not mean that you sin more so that you can get more grace. He said, God forbid that. He said, you should love God. And out of the place of love, he calls us to walk in freedom. And then when we blow it, we repent it. We don't make an excuse for it. Or we say, well, God, you know, his grace is free. That doesn't give us the permission to live lawlessly. But because we love Him, we want to please Him. But we're called to relationship with Him. Number three. So devotion to God, walking in relationship with Christ, and then out of that place, revealing Christ to others. Revealing Christ to others. We should regularly spread the good news of Jesus by our actions, our relationships, and our words. how we live, again, like Paul says, how we live among unbelievers, that we make the most of every opportunity. And this is what it means. This is what it means to reveal Christ to others, to get up every day and say, Lord, I am yours. This day is yours. Help me to be on purpose and be intentional about my day to reveal Christ to other people. Now, that might mean you, you have whatever you call an average, ordinary day. But God can even be found in the ordinary, mundane things of life when we are living to be on mission with Him. Because Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost, and He's inviting us to be on that mission with Him that every day, now when we go out, I'm not just going out and doing my thing, I'm doing God's thing. I'm saying I go to the store, just like Paul, Paul said in Colossians, he said, all that you do should be as unto the Lord. Remember last week we talked about that? Everything that you do is unto the Lord. I go to the grocery store is unto the Lord. I'm his missionary. I'm his ambassador. I'm his representative when I go out. And I'm living intentionally to reveal Christ to other people, that we live that kind of life. Because even simple kindness can touch a person's heart. You never know being generous to other people. There's videos that float around uh, from time to time that, you know, and some of you guys have seen these where these people do like random acts of kindness and they just kind to strangers and, and it is a very touching thing. And sometimes some of those videos will bring you to tears. And I've always reminded, regardless of whatever motivation people are doing it, it's the thing that the Christians should be leading the way in. And I'm not saying other people can't do it, and if they're not Christians, they, people do it for all whatever reasons that they do it for. But it's a very touchy thing when somebody reaches out to someone else, a homeless person. Or, and I don't know if you saw the one, but I, I was just struck in my heart. But this, uh, it was after a group of, 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 of Christians, one guy was a pastor. He just randomly walked up behind people at a grocery store. Did anybody see this video? And where he just sitting there, he puts a card down, he pays for the groceries, and he just says, God bless you, and he walks away. And they are just stunned, and they're like, what just happened? And some people are moved to tears, and some of the stories, and, and so then the, uh, the, the checkout lady, she's in on it with him. And she ends up becoming like a minister. She's like hugging people that are crying, and uh, it's really, really touching. 
One guy said, you know, he said, I can't believe this. Just a couple days ago, I was mugged and, and, and all my stuff was taken. He said, I can't believe this could happen. One lady, she just broke down and you could barely understand what she was saying. She just said, I, this is so timely. I cannot believe that this happened. We should live to reveal Christ to others. And we have to be intentional. I'm as guilty as anyone. Again, this is an invitation to all of us to run with God and to walk in the Spirit with Him. I'm as guilty as anyone to go throughout my day and just blast through the day and miss maybe some opportunities. That doesn't mean that we have to go out of our way. You just be obedient to the Lord when He opens up the door or He speaks. And a lot of times He speaks in that still, small voice where He prompts your heart to do something to do. It may not be that big. It may be something small that only God sees. But know that God sees it. Number four, faithful stewardship. We should strive to be godly stewards. Again, understanding this idea in Colossians is that He owns it all. He owns my life. He owns my stuff. Every good gift that comes down in front that we have is from the Father. Any, if you, any amount of money that you have is, is, is if you really belong to the Lord, it's His. And you understand that without Him, you would have nothing. And so we live as faithful stewards. The steward is a manager, it's not the owner. It's saying, I understand that He owns, I'm just managing. And so then everything we have in life is His, our resources, our time, our physical bodies, our spiritual life, our relationships. He has given all of it to us. He says, now I want you to manage. Don't take ownership of it. That's where we get in trouble. Even in our lives is when we, we become the ruler and reigner and on the throne of our own life, when we start calling the shots, the bad place to be, to say, Lord, you own it all. Show me, lead me, how to be faithful in my, my with, with my friends and my family, how to be faithful in my time, how to be faithful with my resources, with what you blessed me with. Because Jesus said at the end of the age, people will stand before him. Remember, I, I opened up sermon talking about that we will all give an account, and the, the account will be a stewardship account. What did you do with what I've given you? Ultimately, the first question is, what did you do with salvation? What did you do with Christ? Did you surrender? Did you give your life to him? Because that's the first step. Uh, salvation is, a, is the first step of stewardship. My life, I give to you. Lead me, guide me. But we're going to be held accountable for what He gave us and how we managed it. God forbid that we stand before Him and we owned it all. Or we tried to own it all. But that we said, God is yours. Number five, last one. God is calling us to godly character and integrity. We should live lives that are filled with the utmost character and integrity. Ultimately, this is becoming more like Jesus. Proverbs says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Integrity has far-reaching implications in just us doing the right thing. It affects our gen- the generations after us. We live in a day and age where integrity and character are really taking a low priority in people's lives. It's all over the news, the stuff that's going on in the news. This 
website now that's out there that, you know, uh, actually Madison accounts and people that can have affairs secretly and quietly, and now somebody's hacked and it's not just secret and quiet anymore. And the things that are in the dark are being, the light is being shown, and it's all for God's mercy that He shines light into those things. God, the character and Satan, kind of boils down to this idea of saying, Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus. Because having integrity is doing the right thing, whether no one's looking or everyone's looking. And it's saying, Lord, help me by the power of the Spirit. And that's where God wants to give us freedom in some of the simple things that we deal with, that we stumble with, that we struggle with, because we all have them. But it's saying, Lord, help me. Give me strength to overcome. Give me the power of the Spirit that I can be an overcomer and walk in freedom and walk in godly character and integrity because it has far-reaching implications. My children are at stake. The generations around me, the people around me, it's a ripple effect. No integrity has a ripple effect of damage. Having integrity and character has a, has a ripple effect of godliness all around us. God, help us to walk close to Jesus to become more like Him. We stand with We're closing today. I invite you on this journey with us to vision and mission and to get excited about what God has called us to individually as a corporate body to come, to be a part, to give of yourself and your time and your energy and your resources and your love and your heart so that we can love one another and advance the kingdom of God and to be on purpose and be on mission with Him. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us. You have called us into your purposes, into your plan, into your vision, into your mission. Lord, you have called us. You've set us apart. You've chosen us. And Lord, today, first of all, I want to pray, God, for those maybe that are not walking with you. If you are here today and you maybe have never surrendered your heart to Christ. Or maybe you did a long time ago and you are, happen to be in this place today and you know that today you just really aren't walking that out, that, uh, that, that I'm not walking with Christ. I'm not surrendering to Christ. I want to give an invitation to you today and, and as everyone's eyes get closed, I want to give an invitation to you to pray for you. It's not to uh, single you out to make you come up here. I just want to pray for you uh, today because Jesus loves you. And it is by, again, nothing is by accident. You're not here today by accident. You are here by God's design. You, you wouldn't be here if God didn't want you to be here. And God loves you deeply. He cares about you. And if it's just for one person, He Jesus would stop everything for one. Because you're that important to him. And so if that's you today and you just say in a new way and I've never done that before and what you said maybe spoke to my heart and the Holy Spirit is maybe speaking to your heart and you would like to just say, well, I want to give my life completely to Christ. Can you raise your hand? I just want to give a moment to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Pray for us. Lord Jesus, God, thank you so much. 
And I don't want anyone else to, I don't want to lose the power and significance of what just happened. Several hands went up. Again, we don't need to know who. But you guys realize what just happened. That more than a hand going up, there was a heart response to Christ. And the Bible says that there is rejoicing in heaven over one person that comes to Jesus. I don't ever want to get tired or get, just get used to seeing that. I want to celebrate today. God, thank you. Thank you so much, God, for your love. And for those who raised their hands, I encourage you. If you want to talk to one of us leaders, we want to point in the right direction. We want to come alongside you and to love you and to support you. And, but Lord, we love you today and we thank you for your life-giving grace. We pray that you would touch each of our hearts. Lord, you touch those ones that raise their hands out, that there would just be, there would just be newness of life because the promise just says that, Lord, that we walk from death to life when we surrender our lives to you. We thank you for your promise. I thank you for calling each of us to be on mission with you. I pray, Lord, that um, this week we would wake up every day that we would be mindful of the vision and the mission you called us to, to advance your kingdom, to love you with all of our hearts and to love other people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope you have a phenomenal day and a great week ahead.